Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> I was trying to... Damn, damn that countdown. I was <laughs> you, trying to catch you singing. <laughs> you seriously nearly got me singing Peter Andre then. And that would not have been cool. I would have lost all my street cred cool points with that. <laughs> Actually, Unless, of course, a- I was in England and I had like a really, really dark tan and, you know, hair extensions and I was walking down a high street. Maybe then singing Peter Andre would make me cool. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I need to read you. One of my friends sent a text. Um, oh, yeah. It says, I think out Always of respect. a thrill. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. So I'm reading it out <laughs> on a podcast to prove I've got friends. Love that. I think out of respect for Alexander, you need to do some serious research into Danny Minogue. <laughs> the woman is a goddess and should be worshipped. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that friend? What was it? What was their name? Oh, look, I think for um, decency reasons. <laughs> what, what, give them a pseudonym. Give them a fake um, name. Well, w- let's call him Benjamin. Okay, great. Well, let's yeah. hypothetically call him Benjamin and let's say, you know what, Benjamin, thank you so much. I agree. You should put some respect on the name Danny Minogue, all right? Um, and in fact- Do I need to do a public apology? I think you do. And actually, I think all of Australia owes Danielle J. Minogue an apology. And I don't mind telling you here and I don't mind telling our listeners as well. Put some respect on the name Danny Minogue, people, if you're listening. In fact, I think we should probably touch on Danny Minogue in yeah. a future episode, maybe in another <laughs> series. Maybe yeah, we'll do a whole Minogue expose. I know that you're such a fan of them, but perhaps I could take you on a journey through their incredible back catalogues. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, Danny's just got such a long-lasting legacy. I mean, there was This Is It and... Uh... And several other songs. I knew what <laughs> joke you were going to go with there. There was This Is It. There was several, several iconic, seminal yeah. songs. You know, okay. I'll do. I'll play a little game with you one day. I did mm. this with somebody, you know, who's like, oh, I don't know any songs Danny Minogue sings. And I was like, you know what? You do. You know a lot of Danny Minogue songs. You just don't know the Danny Minogue. So right. I played them for them and they were like, oh, my God, I know all of these songs. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Eat your words. Love Danny Minogue. <laughs> Danny, if you're <Okay>. listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you let Benjamin or whoever it is, person known as Benjamin, you let them know. Thank you so okay. much. Um, and, and, you know, I really, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for, for being on my side here. Okay. All right. And I'll do a public apology sometime in the future. <laughs> I think I'll make you do that on our Instagram. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Maybe we should invite her on the show. We'll invite Danny on the show and you can tell her to your face. What do you reckon? Okay. Well, you know, no disrespect <laughs> to Danny. But I'm not just not familiar. Anyway, before I um, 
get all our listeners switching off. Let's hit the third. <laughs> God. I know we weren't going to talk too much about uh, the lockdowns and stuff like that, but it's, (laughs) you know, there are problems that arise from it that uh, I'd never really thought of, like all the shops are closed and suddenly (laughs) I'm in bad need of new pairs of socks and I don't quite know what to do. Like they've just shut down um, postal orders in Sydney. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. So As in you can't get anything on the internet? Well, you sort of can, but it's just, they've just said it's going to be super delayed, so... (laughs) My God, if if, if Sydney yeah. postal orders have been shut down, that means maybe all my stuff will start coming a lot quicker. Oh, maybe, yeah. It could just be e-commerce. But, yeah, I'm in desperate need of some socks and I'm trying to think of maybe I should start knitting them because I've got a ball of wool. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if a ball of wool is going to be quite enough to do a full pair of socks. I'm not really a knitter. Mm. But for those of you out there listening who are, who are particularly into needlecraft, please feel free <laughs> to let us know. Send in, <laughs> send in your, uh, your instructions. Yeah. I was actually going to call meters? them send in your recipes. <laughs> send in your recipes on how to knit socks, whatever. Yeah. Let me know how many metres of wool I need for two men's size 11 socks, please. Do you know what? My sister's yeah. a knitter. You know, she's got that craft room at her house, so her yeah. craft dorium. So she's she's got that wall of wool. We can get her to, you know, send you some wool and you can get knitting. She can just send me the socks. <laughs> she could just send you some socks even. She could knit you some socks. That's a good idea. I'll get on to her. I'll text her right now. Okay. Can you yeah. knit Alex? Can you knit Alex some socks? While you do that, oh, I was going to say you've, you've beat me to the punch. My name is Alex. <laughs> Hardly a punch. <laughs> Hardly a punch, but sure. Your name is Alex. Good to meet you. Nice to meet yeah. you, Alex. My name is Alexander. It's nice to meet you. I'm a Capricorn. Nice I don't enjoy long walks on the beach, but I do enjoy hand knitted socks. Apparently. Okay. Oh, good. Uh, as I logged on to watch the episode today, I got a little excited about the second season of Pop Stars because, you know, I was, I was typing in Pop Stars into the search and it like a little thumbnail of Scandalous came up. And I sort of thought, I feel like with that one, I've got less fond memories of Scandalous. So I think it might be a bit easier to derive some humor from <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> you know, Wasn't really um, a fan. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think it was maybe a different vibe, the second yeah. series. It's interesting that you are already, you know, getting excited about the second season when we're still, we're still in the, you know, the midst and the throes of the first series of pop stars. In fact, we're really hitting our strides now. We're really at this exciting, juicy point. And I'm really loving watching every episode, you know, everything that's kind of unfurling before our eyes. 20 years again after having seen it for the first time. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not sure that anybody in Scandalous actually remembers they were even in Scandalous. But anyway, was that short? Well, I mean, there was one guy, and I think he might have been from Hobart, which is, Simon you know, Ditchen. exciting for us. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it did make me think, also, oh, when we get to that one, we're not going to have to skirt around so much that, you know, we're two white dudes and we're 
sort of commenting <laughs> on some <laughs> young, young, you know, women sort of starting out their careers so much, and we can relax a little bit. And uh, that's right. Let, so, let fair, fly so far, a far bit we more, haven't. <laughs> well, I don't know. So so far, we haven't said anything offensive. I mean, no. I've probably thought it, but you know, we've we've been pretty open and honest and pretty, pretty, you know, cool this whole time so far. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, think so we're too. I don't think we're giving off offensive, uh, you know, patriarchal, chauvinistic vibes, are we? Yeah, I know we're disguising it very well. <laughs> oh, God, God, oh. yeah, and I- <laughs> people are gonna people are gonna DM in about that. You reckon? <laughs> I reckon. Yep. Well, they'll be thrilled when you DM them back with <laughs> something that proves the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Before I dig any uh, big social media holes, I'm going to sure. <laughs> move on into the recap. Good idea. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, a bit of a short recap this time because, you know, a little bit happens in this episode, but 
not as much as some of the, you know, we've just had the big Chantel Barry scandal, so we're not going to, you know, top that. But <laughs> here we go, recap. Okay, all right. In an episode where there's not much drama, the narrator and the producers desperately try and draw drama out of the band performing to the head of Warner Music, some indecision over sets and costumes for the film clip and deciding what the band name is going to be. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Do you know, I I know that you think there's not much drama in this, but yeah. I mean I'm really I'm really um deep diving into, you know, facial ticks and nuances and, and moments and voice inflection. Yeah. And I'm really kind of, you know, I'm ex- I'm really experiencing this rewatching of pop stars very acutely in a very deep and personal way. So I'm actually noticing some things thinking this episode is really quite layered, layered in fact with uh, drama, I think. Oh, well, let's find out then. Alexia. Well, so drama. It starts straight away then pretty much if we're counting this as drama <laughs> um, because they're meeting Michael Napthali's boss who I'm assuming yeah. is also Chris Moss's boss. No, um, they're the from different companies. No, but isn't it the head of Warner Music, this Sean guy? Yeah, but Michael Napthali works at Grant Thomas Management. Yeah, but I think the narrator says that it's Michael Napthali's boss, I think. <laughs> is it? No, it, it well, isn't. It's the, so. head of, it's the head of Warner Music Australia at yeah. the time. Who Sean I something. assume has taken on Grant Thomas management as part of this project. So, like, if you follow the chain up far enough, this Sean dude is paying Michael Napthali's mortgage. Uh, well, that is true. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Yeah, there is a bit later in the episode where I actually interpreted that Chris Moss was probably signing the checks because he kind of um, throws his balls on the table and he really gives Michael a bit of a seeing to. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like, somebody's better be managing this. Somebody better take charge. And I think he, yeah. even, he even gets bleeped, doesn't he, at one point? He does get bleeped, yeah. An expletive mm. is taken out for um, our sensitive ears. He does. So I think actually Chris Moss might be the, the moustache-toting, check-signing boss, I think. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. But at even, that level anyway. Yeah, I think even then, you know, he's in there looking nervous as, you know, because they go in to sing. <laughs> he, um, that's true, he is, yeah. Yeah, and even I think this is where we see a bit of Chris Moss looking a bit worried in front of his boss and look at what I've been doing. Dad, you know. <laughs> yeah, look what I've been doing for look, the past no hands. few months. Yeah, yeah. yeah look like what we've spent all your money on. Exactly, um, like they took the training wheels off Chris Moss and this is what they let him do, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, we get a little glimpse. We, I mean, we're really getting to know the band a bit more and first of totally. all, I thought, <laughs> totally. I thought I'd just mention, as you pointed it out, that um, what's his name, Michael Zamowski, last episode was wearing some mooks. I yeah, saw that he Sophie, was. <laughs> Sophie was also wearing a mooks <laughs> T-shirt in this episode. It must have been the thing at the time. Mooks was so cool. Whatever happened to mooks? I, you know what, mooks, people, if you're listening, please come back. What were they? Was it just T-shirts? Or? No, it was like a streetwear brand. There were a whole bunch uh-huh. of different brands back then that were so cool, like mooks and Mossimo and Louis Epstein jeans and all this cool stuff, and oh, it all just kind of disappeared. about Mossimo. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, um, yeah, secondhand clothing became fashionable and <laughs> suddenly everyone well, I don't know. was wearing I mean, Adidas again. Speak, <laughs> speak for yourself. Secondhand clothing became fashionable maybe for you, mate. I don't think secondhand clothing ever was fashionable for me. I managed to find my way to a Westco through rain, hail or shine. <laughs> there was not a synthetic fabric that I wouldn't have swathed my body in at 1999. If it was reflective and two-toned in colour, 
it was on me. <laughs> Hanging. <laughs> I mean, people made fun of me for wearing sunglasses indoors, but it was because I was sitting opposite you. And <laughs> <just had> to... <laughs> anyway, there was a bit. Um, there's this bit where so- oh. Sophie says, is sh- "So they're talking about Sean, the manager of um, Warner, Warner, and yeah. she's like, is Sean like Molly Meldrum or something?'" And suddenly, Michael so Napoli suddenly gets he goes so embarrassed and awkward because he realizes that Sean's probably going to be <laughs> watching it. I didn't really get it though. Like, why is that a problem? <laughs> Well, I guess it's because Sophie. I think it's more adorable that Sophie has no clue. Right, you know, yeah, she, yeah. In, in her in her mind, um, you know, Molly Meldrum's like the be all and end all of music in Australia. That's yeah. what I kind of assumed, and she has a couple of other little um, <laughs> faux pas, you know, in the episode, which are really really cute. And I think you are totally getting <laughs> moments for these people's personalities. You can see. Um, you know, Sally is kind of cheeky. She makes a couple of little jokes and she's a little bit cheeky and that's quite cute. And Belinda's a little bit more serious. And, you know, Katie clearly is, you know, quite upfront and she she really is really, you know, astute yeah. and, and um, experienced. And then you've got Tiffany, who I think gets a shitty edit in this episode, but we'll talk she about does. her a bit later. Yeah, yeah. She gets she gets dealt a raw deal, Tiffany. So, is the, I mean, another subplot of this episode is them picking the band name and as they're sort of being ushered into what looks like Sean's office, I guess, um, Chris Moss is having a chat with someone and they're saying, oh, we're going to, with, is it Belinda maybe? And saying, I think it's Belinda, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be either maybe Supernova No, it's Katie, it's Katie, Frock. it's Katie. Oh, it's Katie, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to be either Supernova or Frock and then Chris Moss says straight away, Frock. Is in frock off, <laughs> which is exactly what I thought too. Like they've Same. been saying frock mine for too. a couple of episodes now. <laughs> oh, mine too. I was just like frock, no yeah. doll. That was mm-hmm. never going to fly. Supernova, I thought would have been quite cool. Yeah, Supernova's okay. No, Supernova was the right was the same sort of time. You know, people would have loved that kind of thing back then. Yeah, it made me think a bit too much about the uh, There's an Oasis song, Champagne Supernova. I don't know. Yeah, it the, makes me think of that too. <laughs> the wrong branding, you know. <laughs> totally, totally. But for once, I found myself agreeing with Chris Moss and actually today I'm dressed a bit like he was in that scene. <laughs> no moustache for me today though. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they go in and Tiffany's pretty nervous by the sounds of it and I was kind of thinking like she must have felt like a bit out of place because she was it would be in my head the whole time that you're the second choice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it would be if it were me. I'd I'd probably have that in the back of my mind as well. You know, it was I was second choice, but but also at one point, all the girls are sitting around the table in their apartment and they make a joke about it. And then I think Chris Moss even mentions it again when they're about to perform. And it's a bit like you know, even even the media I think since you know probably have replaced have referred to Tiffany as having been the replacement for Chantel Barry. I mean. Let's not, you know, whilst it is true that, yes, Chantel was cast first and Tiffany did replace her in that space when she mm. was, you know, removed from the band, um, all of the hits were with Tiffany. Tiffany's yeah. the one who ultimately laid those vocals down that track. Tiffany's the one who was part of them being successful. She's part of the band that everyone remembers. Of course, everyone remembers the scandal. But, you know, I think Tiffany, you know, definitely is getting this kind of edit in this episode where they keep talking about how new she is. And I don't know if that's in order to kind of explain away some of the slightly confrontational moments that she has later in the episode possibly. Yeah, well, I don't know because even without thinking about the editing and the fact it's a show, like they're about to sing for this head of Warner dude. Yeah. And Chris Moss even brings it up. Like he's like, so, you know, we've had a lot going on with Tiffany. You know, she's new and she's having to do a lot of catching up. But having said that, 
let's sing the song, like the big hit to the head of Warner for the first time. Like, yeah, way yeah. to like pull their confidence away right before like this big horrible nervous moment. <laughs> and what I thought was really strange too in that moment was um, when the girls just kind of file into that office and they're standing around about to sing Poison a Capella. You know, we've got to remember that um, if you keep in the back of your mind, these people don't know each other. They've met, they've, yeah. they've known each other for a matter of weeks, potentially months, you know, at, at best. And, um, you know, Tiffany even less so. And they've walked into this bloke's office, you know, in their minds, they've already kind of met all the people they're going to need to meet. You know, Michael Naphtali, who's going to look after him on a day-to-day basis. Chris Moss, yeah. who's at the record label signing checks. Now they're seeing the big head honcho. Um, and I suppose, you know, you'd be thinking, holy shit, this is really terrifying. And they all seem pretty chilled, I think. You know, yeah. Tiffany does have a bit of nervousness. I can see that. But at the same time, holy shit, I'd be so nervous. But I think I think they're doing pretty well considering. Because, you know, think about it. They're all like 23 or, you know, down to 19. So they're pretty young. And you can sort of see, I mean, as they start to sing, it feels at first like, you know, they're a bit reserved. But it's, it feels like as soon as the harmonies start working, they get a bit of confidence and Katie's sort of there. She feels almost like she's sort of leading them and like making sure everyone's smiling because she said in an earlier scene, like if you if you smile while you're singing, it actually comes through in your t- in your tone of voice. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. such a well-known thing for like voiceovers and everything too. If you do smile, it sounds better and you, know, you, you can hear the smile in your voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think Tiffany makes a, a mention just before this moment of, you know, um, you know, she hasn't had much experience with singing with. This is the first time singing with a girl's a cappella, hmm. and you know, when you think about it, I mean, she's sung in pubs and stuff. You know, that's part of that's one of her part time jobs. So she's obviously yeah. quite capable of singing live to people, um, and they all are. But I'm sure singing live together for a song that they've never really heard before. It's not like you know you've got instant recall. Like if you're going to sing locomotion, for example, um, yeah. I guess, you know, in their mind they're thinking, well, this bloke's paid for this song. We better make sure it sounds good. And you're right, Katie does really take the lead. I noticed that she goes and, you know, hits a key for them to all, um, you know, pitch themselves from on some hideous little battery-operated keyboard, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) The Casio, It probably (laughs) has one of those little demo buttons that plays. Imagine if she'd played that. Yeah, that plays like an instrumental version of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go or something. (laughs) (laughs) I had that exact keyboard with Wake Me Me Up Before You Go-Go on it. Me too. (laughs) I still love it. Me too. I loved it so much. But I love that she just like, she goes and presses like, you know, this little key and then they all like pitch themselves off at this awful thing. Yeah, it's that weird thing where singers are trying to like all find the same note and they're not not quite hitting it. (laughs) Yeah. I think the benefit being, you know, that it starts with two of them singing. I think it's Tiffany and Sally that sort of start and they kind of lead it in and and then, you know, I think it does kind of become quite, you know, effortless and and exciting and does kind of ramp up in enthusiasm for them. Yeah, and you're right, like they like sure they've done in the recording studio, but they're doing it part by part. And this is like their first time sort of performing it to someone <laughs> five part. But you would know too. I mean, singing something a cappella or uh, you know, it's usually or acoustically, it's usually a different arrangement. And that's what this is too. You can hear that some of the notes are different, some of the actual, you know, the way that the phrasing is done in the actual song, how they're singing a cappella is different to how it is in the ultimate one that they've clearly already recorded, which is the version we know today. So, yeah. you know, you can hear some bits like Katie's really cool, you know, um, 
you know, kind of trill and, and, and Sophie's little trill, you can get those. But a couple of notes, there's some bits that Belinda sings that are not in the final recording that are clearly just for this a cappella performance, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and you're kind of like, hang on, God, these girls have learnt this new song, they've recorded this song, and then they're told they have to sing it a different way and a cappella with no backing music <laughs> in an office for the head of the label. I mean, there's probably a lot going on for these people, yeah. I would say. But, I mean, having said that, as soon as it sort of gets into it, Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I just started to get tingles. Like it was oh, so exciting yes. to hear them just nail it, like singing it. With that's the thing about a cappella. Like it, it can be awkward when you're trying to find your notes and stuff like that. But once it starts working, there's something really amazing about just hearing a few human voices sort of making this amazing bit of music. I think totally. I 110 yeah. percent agree with you because it's this incredible um, talent. You know, to be able to pitch yourself through your ears to other humans. It's not, you know, it's not like an instrument that's been man-made or manufactured or tuned. It literally is, you know, your own instrument that you have developed and created and tuned yourself. It's in you. And to be able to take that something that's internal and, you know, pitch notes and and harmonise off of other people's instrument Mm. is just wildly incredible. And I think people that roll their eyes at a cappella or people that roll their eyes at, you know, um, choral singing in that, space i think they don't really truly understand or appreciate how technically brilliant it is yeah it's really incredible and when they do get going in this in this you know rendition of poison you know it really was sort of a hair standing up on end moment of like oh my Mm. god it's they're just so good and it's just so great (laughs) and actually it's funny because you know how you mentioned scandalous earlier in this episode Uh um I actually thought of them at this point when the girls are standing around singing Poison and I actually thought of Scandalous thinking they just weren't as good. That's the thing. Right. Like, I mean, there's no disrespect to anyone that was in Scandalous. Well, perhaps we'll put some disrespect on them in the next series of Pretty Alexia, <laughs> but at the moment, no, none intended. What I mean is, you know, when you kind of watch these five girls in Bardot sing now in this moment, you're kind of like, they really were great. All of them were great. And yeah. it's just kind of, you know, ultimately, and we'll talk about it later, but ultimately kind of the trajectory that's kind of happened with the band and what's happened with them all since, it's pretty shitty really because they're all such talented people. And I wonder, I mean, it would be so fascinating to know how much money was piled into this and how much was piled into Scandalous and like all the sort of goings on at the top level because, yeah, it's... It feels like there must have been some, like there's just something else going on that we don't know about and that we can't know as distant observers because you're right, like they all were very good and talented and something doesn't quite make sense there, you know. A hundred percent agree with you. Something does, you know, something does not add up. A hundred million percent. And that's kind of the thing I think that that's certainly the part that I want to know and I want to understand better. And I think that's the big question mark, the elephant in the room that everybody wants to know, I think, is, you know, what really went wrong? What happened? Why did it end the way it did? And how how did it get to that point? And, you know, how did it get to the point where all of them just kind of went their way that they did? It's really, really strange because they're all so great. Yeah. Um. So... <laughs> We've just Not, hit the that little, wasn't a great segue. I know. We've just hit the little segue problem again because I was reading my note and going. <laughs> okay. Just want to clarify, you've hit yeah. the segue problem. I don't have yeah. any problem with it. So the way to segue <laughs> to this particular bit that you're about to talk yeah. about is. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what people don't understand though is I have to segue because otherwise you'll talk for about three hours. <laughs> I'll piss off. <laughs> fuck off. I'll tell you what. You, <laughs> oh, fuck. I've got to give the people what they want. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so <laughs> on that brilliant segue. <laughs> so we're going to start. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. You want me to segue into, yeah, yeah. you know, talking about the names of the band that, that they keep talking about. You know, we've talked about Supernova and we've talked about, you know, Frock, which is such yeah. a stupid name. But Terrible then, you know, name. Belinda, you know, she keeps pushing this name Kismet, which is the only name we've heard in the previous two episodes as well. I think she she mentioned it to Jackie O walking through an underground car, car park, park at yep. one point, which is so fucking strange. And she mentioned it somewhere else. And Belinda clearly is so hardcore for this band named Kismet. And I think it must have had a bit of traction because they mentioned it a couple of episodes ago They've mentioned it several times. I don't know if it was just to kind of throw us off the scent. And, yeah. you know, I don't know how, I don't know if it was genuinely like a contender. Um, but then, you know, they've got some other ones. Like I think, what were some of the other ones they had? They had, didn't Sophie come out with porn stars? Yeah. Like, oh, porn stars would be quite cool, but I don't think that's going to work because this is a G-rated show. Yeah. And I sort of want to give Sophie the benefit of the doubt. Like there's another bit actually where she's talking about um, she doesn't, watch film clips she just watches cartoons yeah and i sort of like you know when paris hilton came out and she was doing the simple life and stuff like that and she was sort of playing a specific character (laughs) yeah 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 i really really want to give sophie the benefit of the doubt too because i can't tell how much of it she doesn't come across as the brightest spark in this particular (laughs) episode and i can't tell how much she's playing up to the camera with that character because, like, when she says porn stars, she's kind of got a bit of a, like, cheeky look in her eye, sort of going, I know this isn't going to fly. But <laughs> I mean, I think she's got a great sense of humour. That's the first yeah. thing. But I also yeah. wonder, I mean, here I'm, you know, here is a very deep, serious question to pose to you. Hmm. Um, you know, if she hadn't already earlier in the series performed Happy Birthday, Mr. President, and we didn't know that she was playing Marilyn Monroe at Movie World as a job. And mm. if she wasn't blonde and if she wasn't always dressed in low-cut tops, would it matter if she said something sort of silly and a bit dippy as much? Would we think that she was sort of a dumb blonde if it, like, you know what I mean? Would it be so strikingly dumb or would it be like, oh, how funny, lol, porn stars? Even to this day, the Marilyn Monroe thing follows her around, I would does imagine. Yeah, well, yeah. I would imagine. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but I would imagine it does. I think... um I think after Bardo and after various bits and pieces, I think she even played Marilyn Monroe in a telly movie for America. Oh, really? Yeah, I have some vague rec- – again, this is one of my weird recollections. <laughs> I can't actually confirm or deny, but I'm usually right, as you know. Um, yeah. And I think I think maybe she did play Marilyn Monroe. So I think, you know, it's kind of followed her through her career, which has been great because it's helped her, but at the same time perhaps hindered her. So I don't know. Maybe there is an element of being a bit dippy, but I think also super funny. I think that's part of what we're seeing. All these kind of little weird quippy kind of puns just sort of roll off the tongue but quite naturally and in, in, in a bit of like an endearing dorky kind of way, you know? Yeah, I think that's it. It is That's probably the nail on the head there. It's like endearing and a bit dorky, mm. which is sort of mm. counterintuitive, I think, for someone who's going to be a pop star. like Yes, you, totally. Like, were any of the Spice Girls a bit dorky? I don't think so. No. <laughs> they had it all worked out. Um, but then again, you know, this can come back to editing, as I said, I think earlier in our series of Fruity Alexia, I've spoken about how I think it was very primitive reality television and, and we've spoken about how the editing was done on the fly, mm. we think, um, if that's what it seems like. But I wonder if by this point, you know, as I've talked about a couple of times today in this episode, you know, the editing of Tiffany in this episode, I wonder if they're starting to kind of, you know, mould these characters and these caricatures of these people to be characters. You know, maybe there is sort of 
an angle that's being pushed for Sophie and for Tiffany and for whoever, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. And, I mean, the next scene where they're having their hair all done, I think they're actively sort of talking about the characters. And I do have to give you ten points because there was one memory you had about um, (laughs) Belinda's caramel highlights and I think pretty much spot on there it was, talking about Belinda's caramel hair. Do you know what? (laughs) When When this moment happened, when I watched the episode... Just, just, just earlier today, I was like, "Please, please, don't let me be wrong. Please let me have remembered that there was some talk of like caramel highlights and like chunks of caramel in her hair or something." Yeah. Anyway, when I watched it, I, I, I let out an audible like, "Yes!" Like I was like, "Yes!" You know, I may as well have been watching like a cricket match. You know, yeah. I was like, "Yes!" I was, I was so pleased with myself to have remembered this. Um, it's kind of like people remember their favorite grand finals, you know, AFL grand finals from many years ago. I remember my favorite moments from TV shows from many years ago. <laughs> I don't know what it is about caramel highlights that would be like a, you know, a grand final winning goal kick thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I remember them, so whatever. Yeah. It, it it basically is the same thing. And I and I think, you know, you're so right. Like it's interesting to hear like this the hair thing is such a weird moment. Like it gets a lot of time in this episode. It does. There's a bit about Katie shaving her hair that they're sort of focusing on quite a bit. Also, why do you think why do you think they ask her to shave her hair? Is it because she's already got short hair? Because I actually really like her. Well, you know, I like her kind of, you know, short kind of Annie Lennox vibes, this fabulous kind of cropped hair that she has. I don't know why they're trying to get her to shave her head. Is it because she turned up in a in a pleather jumpsuit to one of the auditions or something? Yeah. It's such a I, weird thing. I mean my guess was just that they're trying to make the characters really extreme, so that so that you know who's who. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. But why are they doing? Why are they picking her? Is it just because she's got the short hair? I mean, on the other end, they're saying they want to make Tiffany's hair longer. Why don't they yeah, want to shave that- Tiffany's head and they wanted to give give Katie long hair? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't know if it was just like she like clearly she's happy to um, do stuff like do anything, that. So yeah. imagine pos- posing that to any of the others, they'd say no straight away, but. Like it's a good look and maybe Katie's the one who might go for it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I do think it would be a fucking stupid idea to see a really? pop group with one of them with a shaved head. Oh, I thought it would have been good. <laughs> would have looked so fucking ridiculous. Although she would have looked great on that album cover. Can you imagine? Yeah. <gasps> that would have been amazing. But otherwise, no, how fucking stupid. She turns up with, you know, the... Is it a pixie cut? Is that what it's called? I can't remember. It's quite pixie cut-like. It's a little yeah. bit like Mia Farrow, yeah. And it's sort of got like zigzags cut into the front of it and then she sort of gives us like three options. You know, you can have the zigzag down, then you can yeah. have the messy look and then you can have yeah. the, um, you know, red carpet look where she sort of spikes one bit up and, you know, pastes a fringe off to Which the side. Which is literally the kind of hair that I had when I used to go out to gay bars when I was younger. Was it? Oh, there you go. Yep, I, I had blonde, <laughs> had big chunks of blonde in my hair, which is probably why I burnt it all out and that's why I don't have any of oh, it left. Not the fire engine red. <laughs> no, not fire engine red. And I had that slick down fringe and spiked up at the back. It was very much a look. And now I think Karens everywhere have copied that look. <laughs> the, Karen, the Karen haircut of today was the gay boy's haircut of 20 years ago. Was it? I'll have to. I'm mm-hmm. not on Twitter enough to know what a Karen looks like. So. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a shot at the end of this little scene. And first of all, are you proud of me for not mentioning Clueless while they're having <laughs> makeover done? Well, I'm. You haven't mentioned it yet. I'm not proud of you until we haven't mentioned it. But you, okay. you've just done it. So, so too too late. I'm not not so proud. Yeah. Anyway, at the end of this sort of montage bit, there's this awkward shot where the 
for no apparent reason, like there's no voiceover, no editorializing, no point. They just sort of zoom in on Katie's cleavage. <laughs> yep. It's so fucking strange. Yeah. I couldn't, I've and never seen anything like it, it before. Yeah. It lingers and it's so weird. It's like that shot last week of um, Sophie trying on the pink glittery halter neck top and you can hear all the people talking, but the the actual shot is of Sophie's cleavage in this top. That's what fills the screen. It's like whoever these camera people are need to stop filming these young women's breasts. Yeah. And whoever's editing it and directing it and putting it together and producing it, stop doing this. It's so weird. It's I'm just, it's just really creepy. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's weird. Yeah. It's funny that it was just okay at the time as well. But, I mean, went and um, watched a few, like, 80s movies, like some of my old favourites, and it's amazing just how much you sort of took for granted at that time. And it's really interesting, like Bill and Ted, like there's all this homophobic jokes and same with like Teen Wolf and stuff like that. And you're just like, are we just nodding at this and going, oh, yeah, this is fine? You know? <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, that's kind of the way yeah. with everything. But at the same time, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of doing something like this podcast is being able to have a look at, you know, things back through the lens of today kind of being like, oh, my God, that was just so fucked. I mean, by now, pop stars, you know, in the context of the documentary, pop stars is well and truly out there. People seem to know who they, who the, um, you know, the band all are and they're getting a lot of media attention and there's a bit where they're being interviewed by Andrew Denton and I was kind of going, oh, he was great. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? I mean, maybe he's still out and about and doing stuff and I just don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's in the studio at one of the, I can't remember which radio station it is. I think it's Amanda Triple M. Keller. Triple M, right. I think, with Amanda Keller, yeah, I think so. And they're, you know, asking some hilarious questions. <laughs> Do you, I don't think they're hilarious. Well, there was quotation marks hilarious. Oh, yeah. okay, right, sorry. <laughs> that, that was that was just a bad delivery of, of your line there, yeah, of your joke. <laughs> but, yes, <yeah>, so <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like, So in terms of being hilarious questions, I thought they were such shit fucking questions. Amanda yeah. Keller asks one question. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but feel free to go and watch the episode so you can see it. Amanda Keller says, let's ask you some questions, you know, something to the effect of so we can see if you're going to be successful or not, if you're going to make it as pop stars. So, you know, Amanda Keller poses this hypothetical point and she goes, it's PMT week in the pop stars household. You know, is it a, a like a tampon commercial of women dancing around a fire hydrant in the rain or is it B, Covered in chocolate wrappers. Yeah, a bear pit covered in chocolate wrappers. Yeah, a bear pit covered in chocolate wrappers. And you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of torn about this because part of me is like, oh no, honey, no, don't, don't. Like, why would you? You wouldn't pose that question to men, right? And hmm. so here's the. It's a two. I've got a two part issue with this. The first one is you would not have posed that issue to NSYNC or to human nature or to any kind of other man. You know, oh, what's it like at seven a.m. in the human nature household? Have you all got boners? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they, <laughs> like they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. If Justin Timberlake and NSYNC came on, yeah. it wouldn't be like, what's it like? At, <laughs> you caught me off guard there. <laughs> what's it like at 7 a.m. on the NSYNC tour bus? Do you all yeah. just have morning wood and wank each other off? You know, is it like a gay porn movie from SeanCody.com or is it actually where you all dance around a fire hydrant in the rain? I mean, you just wouldn't ask these questions. But having said that, I'm all about period positivity and talking about periods and, you know, making it okay for people to talk about periods. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But let's be honest. 20 years ago, that's not what was happening in that moment. No, it's That's true. not what that was about. Also, the the thing I thought about that, though, was they're sort of on 
Andrew Denton and Amanda Keller's home grounds there. So, and those two sort of... Yeah, they're the victim of this moment. The power dynamic is not fair. It's true. In the context of comedy, though, I feel like those two came from the alternative comedy movement where, you know, back in the 70s, um, all comedians, like and this is in Britain particularly, all comedians sort of shared the same jokes around. And it was all like, oh, my wife and, you know, it was all like really sexist and racist and stuff like that. Sure, and then this sure. alternative comedy movement came around and that was really trying to get rid of all that stuff and, you know, although it was really driven by, you know, men and, you know, the young ones was a big part of it and, you know, the Doug Anthony All-Stars yeah. in Australia. Yeah. There was still this bit of, you know, we've got to be a bit naughty um, and we can't come up with jokes that people have told before. Like it has to be all our own original stuff. And someone like Amanda Keller, you know, you'd just be mining your own experience, I think, for comedy rather than trying to um, fit in. Uh, look, I agree. and I just want to clarify, I actually really like Amanda Keller. Yeah. I really like Amanda Keller and I really like Andrew Denton. I actually really, really like both of them. So, but I just think, and I just think it's a, you know, that joke and that question posed to those young women was a product of the time. It doesn't yeah. make it okay because of when it was and it doesn't make it okay that it was asked at all. It just, I can acknowledge that it was a product of the time and I'm sure there was no ill intent meant on the on the part of um, Amanda Keller. But, you know, can you, can you imagine having, you know, these young women, I mean, they've already started this set off by joking that, you know, Today, the world is at your doorsteps, but last week, not even your parents knew who you were. They had to put post-its on your forehead to remember your names. Yeah. That was how it started. And then good. it kind of goes in. <laughs> that gave me a bit of a chuckle. <laughs> no, no, it gave me a chuckle too. Yeah. But what I mean is, you know, the power dynamic is just not there. It's not like, you know, a big pop star being interviewed by a radio shock jock. It's complete strangers, virtual nobodies at this point, being interviewed by big professionals. And you know that the people listening at home, the Triple M listeners or whoever, whatever radio station it was, they're not sitting there kind of going, oh, cute, young girls. Oh, ha, ha. They're kind of going, oh, yeah, can you imagine what it would be like if they did all have their periods at the same time? It's just kind of gross. And it's like, you know, I totally understand that, you know, comedy changes and comedy should be provocative and I, I actually really like it and I don't like being too politically correct. But I just kind of think, you know, especially for a show like this that really had that demographic glued, you know, the demographic of young women, young girls glued to to it every week, you know, it's just kind of a bit of a bummer really because not only did Amanda Keller think it was okay to say on air and air it to all of their mm. listeners every day wherever that radio station show aired, but also the people at Channel 7 and whoever produced the show felt it was okay to air it and put those girls on the spot. I don't know. I just was kind of icked by it and I actually think a lot of people probably re-watching it today would, would be a bit icked by it. Um, you know, but if we had a conversation today where it was a, you know, a totally open conversation about, um, you know, about periods, no worries, wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but it's mm. just the way that it was kind of done and, and why it had no relevance really. I thought yeah. it was weird. And then, then I think Andrew Denton asks another question. He's like, if you were meeting Prince Charles, you know, what body part of his would you grope? I think this is in reference to, um, Prince Charles being, having his bum Pinched by Jerry Halliwell from the Spice Girls, oh, right. I think. I think. I, I could be wrong. That. Yeah. But I, I think that's what happened. I assume that's why he's asking the joke. But but then, you know, I think he asks Sally and Sally kind of, 
you know, says his ears, ha, 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 you know. Yeah, and, which I and thought I was think, a good response. I was it like, was a cute yeah, response. You've, you've picked out something that's punching up, I reckon. You're making fun of Prince Charles's ears. That's like classic. She's met the challenge. Totally to- punching up. But then one of them, I think it's Andrew Denton, says, oh, you wouldn't go for the crown jewels? Like that's that's punching that's punching that up back down. <laughs> you know, Sally's kind of turned it around. I mean, in this moment, Sally's the professional. She's gone, oh, yeah. his ears? And then Andrew Denton kind of goes, you wouldn't go for the crown jewels? That's like, bam, slam dunk you, nobody, new girl, back into your fucking corner. I don't know. I don't know. I do love Andrew Anton and Amanda Keller, so don't get me wrong, but I just felt, ugh. And by no stretch of the imagination, were they the worst people that would have interviewed those young women? And and I think they're excellent, excellent broadcasters. I just want to make that really, really clear. But I think this was just an icky moment for me in hindsight. Well, one day, Andrew Denton, if you're lucky, we'll have you on. (laughs) (laughs) Not not after this. He's probably like, fuck that, (laughs) fuck that gay guy for taking me so seriously. Fucking get a grip, mate. He's probably what he's thinking. Now, there's a big chunk. Later in the app, where they're talking about getting their first film clip done. So clearly it's for Poison, um, and they've brought in the music clip director whose name I have forgotten. <laughs> oh, Mark Hartley. Mark Hartley, yeah. Do we know Mark Hartley from anything? Um, well, we do by way of Googling him. So oh, did, okay. did we know him before? <laughs> no. Do we no. know him now? Yes. And will our listeners know him after this? Indeed they will. Uh, Mark Hartley, prior to um, doing the film clip for Bardo for uh, Poison, he had already immediately worked uh, with Meryl Bainbridge, um, UMI, John Farnham and Human Nature. Uh, I think he had worked with Boom Crash Opera, a whole bunch of really cool People, I think that's actually why I was singing Peter Andre at the beginning of our podcast today. Because right. I think, I think maybe he did a Peter Andre clip, right. if my memory serves me correctly. <laughs> that would explain the Peter Andre moment earlier. Yeah. Um. But and then I think after doing the Poison video clip, he even did you know some of Sophie's solo singles, and then he went on to um do some really great documentaries, and I think he even won an, an actor award, which at the time was called an AFI award, and it was um. Uh, I, f- I forget, Alex. What is the what is the name of the documentary? It's about the Ozploitation. Oh yes, this one. So the um, I think it's not quite Hollywood. And That's right, yeah, not quite it, Hollywood. Yeah, it's they sort of interviewing people like Quentin Tarantino about this, you know, golden age of Australian cinema, which was sort of the exploitation, you know. And you think going it's a, through the eighties? You say it's a great documentary, and I should go and yeah. watch it. So I will oh, do that. Big recommend. Yeah. Yeah, okay. for any movie buffs, if you're Australian and you're a movie movie buff, you know, you'll love it, I reckon. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, what was his name again? <laughs> you know. Mark Hartley. <laughs> That's it, Mark Hartley. Um, <laughs> he's, he's clearly been brought in because, you know, he's the expert, but I thought Belinda, Belinda seems to be, you know, in a few of the little cutscene things that they've got, she seems to be driving it and having a lot of the ideas, I think. Um, well, this is probably part of her creative m- mindset. I mean, this is the yeah. person who's gone on. You know, she's gone to be an interior designer. I know we keep talking about it and we haven't actually seen any of her interior design work, so maybe we probably <laughs> shouldn't say anything. So. <laughs> but it, that, that's true. It is all in Singapore. Yeah. Singaporeans have very high standards, so I'm sure Belinda was, you know, performing at very high standards. But, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, she's probably got a really great creative mindset. Plus, she's 24 at this time, so she's she's lived a little bit more than the others. You know, the yeah. others, are, a lot of them have just come from home. You know, she's been living out of home and stuff so that's probably part of it a bit more confidence in herself and style yeah and there's this weird bit that i mean it's a bit it's quite choppy this episode which is why we're jumping around a bit yeah, um, but there's yeah. a weird bit after this where um they're sort of talking about the music and um 
you know, will they be able to prove themselves as musicians and not just being, you know, this manufactured Manufactured thing? pop stars, yeah. And it's sort of bookended by, you know, Tommy Farragher, the guy who was producing a couple of their songs. He's Yeah. They're all sat on a couch and he's there in front of them in the studio sort of dancing and he's dancing along to one of the songs. Every time one of their lines comes up, he's sort of pointing at them and I'm sure it felt great to be Tommy Farragher in that moment but <laughs> he sure looked like a bit of a goose. <laughs> I, he really did. And you know what I think is really weird and I could be wrong about this. So the song that is playing back, so it's the, just to clarify, it's the girls sitting in a the studio. They're not singing. They're actually just sitting on a couch listening to their own recording playback Yeah. and Tommy Farragher is dancing to the playback pointing at the girls when they would have been singing that line and it's a song called Down which appears on the first Bardo album which I fucking love by the way and can't wait to break down when we talk about the album in future episode of Fruity Alexia but Tommy Farragher I don't think he even actually produced that song I could be wrong but I don't think he was a producer on that song he was Brad. just dancing away to some song it's just like dancing to it <laughs> it was just so weird but I mean Tommy Farragher if you're out there let us know what was it all about what were you feeling in that moment I mean he was feeling himself in that moment he was really feeling himself but he was, good it? on him yeah and he'd grown a little goatee since song. we last met him I think yeah yeah, yeah good on him <laughs> yeah so that sort of happens and then they jump back to deciding on the name and Katie suggests oh, and the something like Isis <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is the point where the narrator kind of says, oh, look, that the girls might be, you know, be seen as manufactured, but they have all the freedom and control, you know, over what they wear and how they're perceived and how they look and the name. And and Caddy suggests Isis, which I think we can all, you know, reflect on now with the benefit of hindsight and say, well, that was probably a good idea. Not yeah, dodged the bullet there. Yeah, so can I we say so dodged the bullet in relation to Isis? That's probably insensitive. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't think we can. Okay, Don't think let's move should. on. <laughs> quick, move on um, quick. <laughs> but it's interesting because from the very beginning, through all these different choppy bits that they're talking about the different names, right, they, you know, they, they cut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about the name suggestions. I think they're thinking they're being pretty clever, the editor, whoever it is. Um, and what I noticed is from the very beginning, you've got kind of, let, let's just hypothetically say, Belinda, you get a shot of Belinda saying kismet and then a shot of Tiffany saying no. Then you get a shot, literally just no. Then you get a shot of Katie saying supernova. Then you get a shot of Tiffany saying no. And it's this kind of playful edit of throughout the episode spliced with other moments like talking about the music video or getting their hair done. And every now and again, one of the girls will make a name up like porn star and then you cut to Tiffany saying no. no. And it's this. It's just this continuous no, no, no from Tiffany, which is – you know, may well have been her opinion on them all, but the way that it's edited and produced in the final, you know, package that's been pulled together just kind of makes her look like a bit of a negative bitch, really. Yeah. That's funny. I felt I it anyway. Yeah. I don't remember. You know how I've pretty much forgotten everything from, you know, last <laughs> Tuesday. Yep, pretty much. The things I do remember from pop stars are sort of people's personas and actually that's, side of Tiffany didn't stick in my head, I don't think. So yeah. I, I don't think it's something that's kind of stuck with her. But for this particular episode, it does feel like they're pulling out bits where she's being particularly negative and I can't work out like what it's serving. Like if there's just nothing, like I said at the beginning, I didn't feel like there was much drama in this episode. So maybe they needed to find one person who's doing something that is going against the grain so they have a bit of a narrative. But it's it feels like it doesn't have much 
I, you know, do you really think so? See, I, I think looking back on it, I actually think mm. I think Tiffany did cop, cop a raw deal in the editing of Pop Zars. I think she also copped a raw deal in the press after Bardo folded. Oh, did um, she? Yeah, I mean, even like last year when they were talking about their, you know, doing their reunion, their twenty, talking about their twenty years, you know, their anniversary. Sorry, not the reunion. Um, you know, I think there was still some you know, moments of, you know, former Bardo band member Tiffany Wood takes a swipe at Sophie Monk and all this other stuff and yada, right. yada, yada. So I think there was a net narrative at the time that I recall and I think certainly perhaps kind of maybe unfairly existed. You know, when you think about this episode, there's, and I'm just really surmising here, so, you know, perhaps other people will have viewed them differently. Um, but, you know, there's the constant editing and insertion of these no, no, no bits about the band name from Tiffany. Then you get her, you know, she doesn't look super happy about having hair extensions. The stylists talk to her about her outfits and how they want her to wear gold with pink and she says, no, nah, I won't wear gold and she refuses to wear gold and she stands up, she puts her outfit on and she's not super happy about it. She won't wear what they want her to wear. She knows what she wants to look like. Um, hmm. And there's a little bit later where they talk about her setup and she's talking, you know, how none of it is how I wanted it. And I feel like there is actually just this constant thread through the episode of like she's being difficult, which I don't know. I mean, the chick's been around for like a hot second. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down and give her some breathing space. Yeah, and she's been working double time trying to she's make up for so all the stuff hard. Chantal had already done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. I mean, this, this is the thing. She's been working so hard. I don't know. I feel like it's she got a bum edit, and I and I really I would love to speak to Tiffany and get her her opinion, her side on it because yeah, we need that's, justice that's, for her. Right? I think so too. Yeah. I really, really do. I really do think we need justice for Tiffany. Yeah, <laughs> I do love. So they they sort of get printouts of the set, and it's like been faxed to them like these hand done drawings and you can't oh, work isn't out that what terrible. the hell is going on. <laughs> isn't that the funniest thing? Like yeah. they have no not even coloured images to look at their set storyboarding. It's literally black and white fax or, or computer printouts of these awful <laughs> little black and white pictures. Yeah. But what's even better about that bit is there's a bit of tension growing between Chris and Michael, you know, yes. why wasn't the designer in the room and sort of the, the pecking order becomes clear and this is, yeah, this is where Chris drops his expletive and, you know, Michael's sort of there backpedalling a bit. <laughs> well, it's interesting because yeah. in this moment I was thinking, okay, this is where Chris is throwing his balls around. And you know why? Because he is the record label. Ultimately, they're footing the bill for this. And he actually says at this point, you can hear Michael and, you know, I think Chris is talking to maybe Chris is talking to Tiffany about the the fuck up with her set design. Mm. And, And I think Michael is off camera somewhere. You can hear him in the background talking on the phone. And Chris Moss says, is that Grant on the phone? We'll bring him into this because we need to talk and sort this out. As yeah. in, is that Grant from Grant Thomas Management? Right, yeah, yeah. As in, bring him in, we've got to sort this shit out. And I think, yeah, as you say, that's when he's bleeped. And it actually really speaks, I think, to the disharmony that's really starting to show between the label, the management company, and potentially the band. Um, you know, I think Chris makes a really good point. You know, why is why are the stylists and creatives selecting outfits for people, wardrobes yeah. for people, when they haven't actually delivered on the other part of the flip of the coin with the sets, you know, what are they going to do to turn up and be dressed in these outfits and have to make it work? And and actually, you know, in, in later years we know that Bardo and I think Warner Music, I could be wrong on this and it's a legal thing so I don't necessarily want to put my claim to it, but 
you know, they end up suing Grant Thomas Management for, you know, neglecting their, or maybe Grant Thomas Management sues oh, right. Warner. Somebody, somebody sues somebody. I'm not yeah. too sure. Somebody sues somebody. And it's about not making the most of the band and the girls and oh, leveraging the right. success. Oh, and I, I was wondering. To this. Yeah. yeah. So I have just, again, some vague recollection of this. I, I haven't got any detail because, as I say, it's just a weird memory. But but I think this is really in a little moment where we're seeing this disharmony. Yeah. What I, I mean, the subtext I was getting from Chris Moss, like what he wanted to say was, Michael, you're the manager. Manage it. Because he, like, yes. he comes in and he's like Chris sort of goes, so what's going to happen? We're going to turn up to the shoot on Saturday and like we're going to have outfits that the girls haven't even tried on or something. And yep. Michael kind of is going, oh, you know, well, I was just on the phone to the director and Michael, oh, sorry, Chris shuts him off and goes, that's the director. He's just going to put his camera on whatever's there yep. at the time, you know. And you can really feel the frustration of, Michael, this is your gig. Don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think, I think that's even quite a kind way of talking about it. I mean, I've had my mm. own times, you know, where I've had lots of people that I've managed and, you know, yeah. I, I have those moments too, you know. It's it's one of those, you know, this is this is your job. Do your job. You know, don't, don't, don't give me excuses, give me solutions. And if I were the head of a label or if I was the head of a project for a label like the Popstars project at the time where they'd invested all this money into buying album, uh, buying songs, buying studio time, paying editors and producers and songwriters and audio technicians and, you know, doing deals with New Idea and doing deals with, you know, radio stations, doing deals with um, television networks, and we know that some of that is paid. You know, some of that is a, is contra, and some of that is paid from record labels, and always has been since the beginning of record labels existing. There's a lot of money riding on the success of this, and if you've got somebody that you don't feel is kind of, you know, using their now, so using their smarts, or using their skill or their experience, or their position. In this case, clearly, he's got this problem with Michael. I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah, I'd be like hard pass, Michael. Next, next, I'd be <laughs> like drop would, kicking him out the door. Yeah, like as if, you know, I've already delegated this. I yep. didn't think I'd be having to deal with this. Yep. And I don't want to have to look at it in. again. You're yeah. in charge. Make it happen. Make it work. Don't piss yeah. off the girls. And there's one really good point where I think Chris is sitting around the table saying, look, I think the only the one we really have to revisit is Tiffany's one, you know, and and right, and, and he, he kind of basically – backs Tiffany and says, you know, you're right. It's not anything you ask for. We're going to get you what you want, draw what you want. And she sketches on a little bit of paper what she wants. Yeah. And it's funny, I had to go back and watch the Poison film clip to remind myself what, you know, what each person is sort of set in and what Tiffany ends up with. And I'm sure there's more about this in future episodes, but it looks like, you know, when she got rejected and Chris Moss is sitting there on the futon with a (laughs) five episodes ago, it looks like her apartment. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Like they've, like they've um, scrubbed down the walls. They've like distressed the walls and made it look like a shabby little sort of Surrey Hills one bedroom. (laughs) My memory of the poison clip is that her setup is a little bit more like some kind of, you know, um, you know, sort of, you know, Mexican sort of hacienda kind of, um, you know, dirty maybe. walls, no windows, <laughs> you know, kind of like somewhere like a sort of a, a an aisle, maybe like a, a South American, you know, location, a shack, you know, sort of sh- mm. slightly shipwrecked or something. I don't know. That's the vibe I got from, but oh, I haven't look, seen it for a long time. 
You're probably right. I probably just misread it because I thought it. I just thought it would be. <laughs> I was like, there she is sitting on a like bed again when she should be sitting on a chain. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Get some that furniture, she's, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting. She's pushing so hardcore for a goldfish. I think that's a bit strange. But anyway, it was probably the probably a trend at the time. I don't know goldfish in music videos. Yeah, bit weird. And- <laughs> but but I think she also talks about you know she refers you know. To, to wanting crystals and, you know, she wanted lots of fabric and, you know, it, it kind of sounds like she wanted something to be a relaxed, you know, a bit of a hippy-dippy kind of, yeah. you know, chakra kind of vibe. coloured starfish stuck to the yeah. door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dream catches everywhere probably. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, that's, that, perhaps that's the kind of person that she is as a person now even as well. We should, right, we should yeah, we'll yeah. find out, we'll find out. I'm going to find Tiffany Wood, we're going to find out. <laughs> And the final scene, um, they're in a big boardroom and I sort of thought this is where it becomes really clear that it's just like this is a business, not an artistic yeah, endeavour because sure. it's like a boardroom and, you know, there's the head of marketing sitting there and, the you know, the PR interns beside and there's yep. sort of all these Every nameless single person, people yeah. with their clipboard and their information folder in front of them. And it's sort of, it's supposed to be this big moment, like this momentous TV moment where first of all the band name is revealed and secondly, we hear, you know, poison <laughs> for the first time. And sort of neither of those things really happen. Like, first of all, Chris goes to put on the CD and there's a technical issue. And yeah. And it gets really awkward. And then, um, like, he just says the name Bardo, like, in casual conversation. Just casually. Like, oh, it's been yeah. decided. Yeah, it's been decided. <laughs> it's weird. Um, yeah. And then the sort of band is standing there in the back back corner just sort of awkwardly and like to break the tension they're sort of pretending to strum along <laughs> it was such an awkward scene to watch and you it just went really oh god was. this is this is probably what happens all the time yeah <laughs> I, I agree i mean i i kind of watched it thinking the same thing thinking this is legit how this must be all the time for performers and music artists you know they yeah. come into these boardrooms and all of a sudden they present their, their creativity is confronted by dollars and by businessmen in suits or business people in suits. And, you know, it's this moment of reality of like, ah, it's not actually about the work, it's about the money. Yeah. Not that I don't think Pop Stars wasn't about the money from the very beginning because I think there's a point in this episode where the narrator talks about how they've got to meet lots of different sponsors who all want to have their brands associated with the Pop Stars, with the girls. And, you know, there's these various business people and they look like they're sort of, you know, work with some kind of you know internet browser or something i think i don't know whatever whatever they whatever product they were spruiking it yeah, looked like some Geo kind of you know yeah, yeah early ver- early version of like you know yahoo or whatever <laughs> that thing used to be or what was that thing called um myspace myspace yeah any of that kind of thing and and then um you know getting the girls to do all this naff kind of stuff it's this little weird montage um where they're putting their face on everything um and you know, I guess at this point it's starting to seem super, super real because their names are out in the public by now. Yeah. It's too late to back out now, girls. You know what I mean? And and it's getting really real. The, the single release is coming. Here you are in this room with these people in this, this boardroom. Better sink or, It's a sink or swim and you better not sink kind of thing. Yeah. Better end sink or swim. <laughs> oh, God. That's Another so good segue lame. Because <laughs> the reason I say that is because there's like one guy who's talking about appearance at like a Westfield or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I love And this. he's saying, you know what, last time uh, the last band that was there was NSYNC and they had 3,000 people. So, you know, things are getting real. It was, I thought that was such a weird 
mention. It was obviously just to mention NSYNC, obviously. Right. Are they Warner Music artists? <laughs> I presume. Yeah. I wouldn't Who's know. NSYNC? but I th- Who came out? Is that Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake. Yes, I got something right. <laughs> Did you see Timberlake. that, everyone? I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they all are from NSYNC have gone on to do their own things, but Justin Timberlake's the one you'd know. Yeah. Who are the others? Lance Bass. He's the no, gay guy who's gone on to be a television host and does a bit of acting, does a bit of whatever. Right. Um, JC Chazé, I don't know what he does now. No. I think he had a couple of solo singles or maybe one solo single. There's Joey Fatone. He was a TV host. I think he still is. He hosts like red carpets and he does Hang like, on. you know. Isn't he, he, wait, isn't he from no, that other one? No, New Kids in the Backstreet Block. Backstreet Boys? No, Backstreet no. Boys. Backstreet Joey Boys Fatone? isn't Joey. No. No, Joey okay. Fatone is NSYNC. And then there's the other guy from NSYNC and I can't remember his name. Chris, yeah. maybe Chris. Okay. But I've made that up. To be honest, I've said Chris. It could not be Chris. I have no idea. But Backstreet Boys are completely different people again. I can't believe I have to tell you this. <laughs> well, actually, I can. Why am I surprised? One of them is called AJ and then Nick Carter. I know more of the Backstreet Boys than I know. Okay. Of so you, you tell me now. Who are, who are the Backstreet Boys? So, what are their names? Nick Carter. He's the, yep. he's the one that he had the smaller brother, uh, Aaron. Aaron Carter. Oh, my yeah. God. We've got to talk about Aaron Carter in a minisode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that that's out of control. The stuff I found out recently about him, we got to deal with this. All right. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Make a note. Um. Then there's AJ. Yep. Nick Carter and AJ. Yep. Yep. Then there's that- Joey Fatone. Nope. That was in sync. <laughs> <laughs> then one was Jerry Halliwell nope. or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> different. Different. That's a Spice Girl. Okay. And the last one was called. <laughs> <laughs> so uh- shit at this. <laughs> was it a man? Was the other one a man? They were called the Backstreet Boys, so I think it's okay. pretty obvious. So the boys. He was called. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I'm at a loss. You're at a loss. Yeah. Nick Carter, Brian, Literal, Lateral, Literal, Kevin, AJ, and Howie. Oh, Howie. Howie the Owie. I remember. I remember Howie the Owie. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not really that clueless in real life, I hope. But <laughs> well, I don't know. This is literally real life, so I don't know what you think this is. No, we're, we're playing characters, aren't we? I'm playing a character. Oh, okay. We? Yes, yeah. yes, we are. We are indeed, um, yes. Let's spread that rumour. But one thing, and I don't want to perpetuate any stereotypes by asking you this question, but something <laughs> I never understood, and it's a phrase that comes up, is fashion victim. So they say Katie's a fashion victim, and I never quite know if that means she's into fashion or she doesn't know anything about fashion? Do you know what? I think it is, firstly, um, of course, you don't understand what fashion victim is. That does not surprise me. But I think fashion victim in this context, they're using it as a bit of a dig, a bit of a slur, being a fashion victim. But um, actually, you know, there are a whole bunch of people who would use it in the other way, in the positive, you know. Oh, she's a victim for fashion, you know. Oh, oh she's right. a fashion victim. But then actually it's like, oh, what a fashion victim. Like roadkill, fashion roadkill. Oh, not, so I it's like a fashionista but with negative connotations. It can be used either way. Like I would okay. I would say it can be used either way. Like, you know, um, oh, she's such a fashion victim. She'll wear every, you know, new collection piece from every new designer. Or, oh, oh she's such a fashion victim. She has no fucking clue, which is what okay. I think they're doing with Katie here. Right. So it's a bit like being totally addicted to bass. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, uh, oh, yeah, basically. <laughs> Me too. So good. So good. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Did we clear it up? But I don't know. I think that's what they meant by it. 
Yeah, I was just never sure if it meant like someone who was left behind by fashion. Like it is. Like it basically is. It's a. It's. it's uh, it, it can be that. Oh, uh, now I'm confused again. So, like Why me, for instance, I do all my shopping at Uniqlo. <laughs> Does that make me a fashion victim? Um, no, I don't think it makes you a fashion victim. I think how you put things together perhaps makes you a fashion victim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nah, whatever, I don't think so. Whatever I don't it think is, so. fashion hasn't been kind to me over the years. So. <laughs> <laughs> or could you argue that you just haven't been kind to fashion? You haven't gotten – you know what it is? Being a fashion victim is somebody who maybe doesn't have an eye for fashion. It could be. But it could also right. be somebody who does have an eye for fashion. It could be used in either way. Okay. Well, either way, I don't identify as a fashion victim, but definitely at some point fashion and I fell out and we haven't never really made up the ground. Uh. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> I don't know. You've always had your own sort of, you know, slovenly like, you know, fashion-y mystique, I would have thought. You know, you love an oversized sweater. You know, you love a scarf. You love fingerless gloves. Yeah, I was described at university look. by someone as homeless chic. But I think it works for you because yeah. you've got this lovely, shining, sunshiny, glittering personality that comes out underneath. Oh, well, you know, isn't that nice of you to say? <laughs> <laughs> so when we look down at you in the gutter playing away the drums on your little upturned milk crates, um, yeah. we actually just see your lovely personality. That's what it is. Clothes do not maketh the man. Glad I can get my personality through my drumming. That's good. Through my bongos. <laughs> <laughs> now, there was a lot in this episode. It's sort of about how they have control over what they're doing. They get to pick their set. They get to pick their costume. They get to pick the name of the band. And it sort of didn't, you know, it sort of felt a bit token and we really got a glimpse into the machine more than any other episode this time, I think. I mean, I think, yes, definitely. Um, I think it's starting to seem, at the time, I think it was probably watched with excitement. You know, we probably watched mm. it kind of really being super excited about how, oh, my gosh, we're seeing sort of behind the curtain. But really now watching it back, we know so much about manufactured pop music and music reality television programs and different things. You know, we, we hear about some of the inner workings of the music industry that kind of, you know, have been dragged into the public sphere. Like, for example, the Taylor Swift Scooter Braun fight. Um, you know, so we hear about some of this stuff that perhaps otherwise we wouldn't have known about. So I think looking back on it, you can kind of see, oh, like the writings on the wall here. This is all about money. It's like the McDonald's of music, really. Yeah. That's, uh, and I just want to clarify that's not to just, that's not to say that the girls aren't talented and that, you know, they don't deserve the success they ended up having. I just think that's what it's starting to look like here. Well, to keep that analogy going, like the cow doesn't know it's going to end up as a quarter pounder, does it? <laughs> Is that what you mean? <laughs> oh, fuck. That's what basically, you're saying. Basically. <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what you mean. Nope. That is exactly what I mean. Uh, that's okay, exactly good. what I yeah. mean. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking awful, but yes. So if you enjoy what we are putting out there into the world uh, for you here on Fruity Alexia, we have an Instagram, so send us a DM. Hock us a loogie. Hock us a loogie. Hock us a loogie. Do you know what? I'll, firstly, that's disgusting. <laughs> Do people still say that? I've put this in as like some terminology no. from like 1998 that I thought was funny. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone says it. I remember it being a big thing in South Park, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it was a big thing in South Park where they had like a competition because, you know, it was like who could do the best loogie. Oh, no, 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 I've lied to you. It was um, Beavers and Butthead. 
Oh, was it? Yeah. And, and we had a we had a very early computer game, my sisters and I, where I was hoping you were going to say this. Beavis and Butthead were on a oh okay. Beavis and Butthead were on like the roof of an apartment building, and the competition was they had to hock a loogie down onto passersby and hit the passersby <laughs> in the pavement below. That was actually the computer game. I mean. This goes way beyond, <laughs> you know, our demographic. But I was going to bring up a different computer game called Monkey Island Two, where there is literally a loogie hocking contest, and it's set up like a long jump sort of thing. So you had to sort of get it over the line. But oh, I think a lot of people have probably switched off now that I've talked about a pirate adventure game. <laughs> so. Probably, and also <laughs> the fact that we're talking about lo- hocking a loogie, which is yeah. gross. Yeah, and what we really meant to say was, you know. Like and subscribe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah. Send us DMs. Let us know your thoughts. What do you think a fashion victim is? I think that's probably something we'd like to know. What does fashion victim mean to you? I'm, I'm still a bit confused about that, but yeah. Are you a fashion I'm victim? Not, I'm, not as confu- I'm not a fashion victim. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I meant <laughs> world. Let us know. Are you a fashion victim? Oh, world. It was like a, uh, li- dear listener, are you a fashion victim? That's what you meant. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let us know. Um, yeah. And I was going to say send a photo, but that's such a fraught thing to say about the internet these days. So please don't send us any photos. Oh, fuck that. Send us photos. I want to see. You're not going to read the DMs anyway. Let's be honest. It's only going to be me. Send us <laughs> the photos. I'm so here for your fashion victimness. Now, we have a little link in, uh, in the description of all our podcasts where you can uh, go to Acast and send us a little bit of cash just to say thank you for all this free content that we're giving you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're publishing shows every Friday um, with minisodes on Tuesdays. It's true. Yeah. Twice a week, your double dose, your yeah. double dose of Fruity Alexia. What would you call the minisodes? In a nutshell. Um, I had somebody who who said to me the other day that they really liked the idea of calling them cast-offs because, or the rejects because um, it sort of speaks to the whole show, you know, rejects of the show. Um, oh, yeah. And they liked the cast-offs okay. thing. So we've had one entrant in our competition. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, but I don't think you're, <laughs> you're not a super fan of cast-offs, which is fine. It's the word cast. Um, and I don't, I, don't know. I don't think it has a great ring to it. Maybe rejects. Yeah. The rejects? I mean, re- yeah. I don't know, but rejects is kind of negative. Let's reclaim rejects. Yeah. Maybe we can reclaim it. Like the reject shop. <laughs> yeah, which I love. Oh, my God, I love the reject shop. Do you go to the reject shop? I go nowhere at the moment. I'm having to knit my oh, own socks, okay. remember? <laughs> Good call. That's true. Well, I love the reject shop, so if you need anything, let me know. I'll get it and send it to you. I love a bargain store. I'm a sucker. I'm a, if I can buy, like, you know, 60 toilet rolls for, like, $2, I'm so there. We're not, we're not going to explain what chicken feed is to everyone, but anyone who knows what chicken feed is will know. <laughs> I think that you are doing everyone a disservice about not, by not explaining it, but yes, we love chicken feed. <laughs> oh, look at the time. We have uh, to go. RIP chicken feed. RIP chicken feed. That's okay. chicken feed. <laughs> Don't you love them? Don't you love them? All right. On that cryptic note for anyone who didn't grow up in Tasmania, <laughs> bye. See you later. Can you feel it? Yeah, I was described at university look. by someone as homeless chic. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say, um, and I don't yeah. think it was a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> I would say gutter basket.
Gutterbusker sheep, but um, <laughs> sheep. <laughs> I can't even speak. Gutter busker chic. Try saying that quickly. Gutter busker chic. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.